I'm here with Jamie, and we are on the Pro Sports Going Viral podcast. It is another episode. We were just saying, I don't know how many episodes it's been. It's Corona times. We don't know what, (laughs) you know, we don't know what episode this is. The passage of time doesn't exist right now. But we're here, and we're here to talk about how all of the different pro sports are handling this return to play uh whether they're in a bubble whether they're not in a bubble whether they're having outbreaks how the testing is going all the things we're talking about and i just want to kick it off with i feel like the the league that has the most news all the time mlb yeah usually that has been the case for our other episodes this week we have a shocking lack of uh crazy stuff as far as all the covid protocols go Um, you know maybe maybe these guys saw the teams struggling (laughs) several teams totally like messed up by it yeah yeah well, I would say that that's accurate because we did have another positive test on the Reds, but it didn't lead to a big outbreak. Like we saw on, you know, the Cardinals, like we saw on the Marlins. Um, it appears that the test was, or that the positive was just pretty contained because they did not see any outbreak afterwards. Um, after they canceled the game the day of the positive test, they've pretty much been back to playing normally. So they had to send everyone, like some of the f- players with families. Um, one guy was talking about how he came home that night. He went into a different room and in the morning, his family packed up and like left the house until he got his test results back. Oh, wow. And so they all just took it really seriously, but it basically goes to show that the Reds must have been following their protocols quite seriously because we know that when there's one positive test, it tends, if you're in contact with people for any more than like a very, very brief time, there's such a high chance of it spreading. So the fact that they had the positive test, but didn't end up having a significant outbreak just shows that it's possible. You know, people are going to get it. That was the whole thing. If you're not in a bubble, people are going to test positive, but it doesn't have to be a death sentence for the entire club. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Speaking of Cincinnati Reds, don't want to go there. That's not the news I thought we were going to talk about from them. No, no. They've clearly been playing. Uh, (laughs) They've been playing um, and be be careful of a hot mic. I'll just leave it right yeah. there. That's I think that's a good reminder for all of us, but also maybe if you are going to say terrible things, don't be in the public at all. Yeah, maybe if you're going to say terrible things, just stay in your parents' basement. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, the other good thing is a bunch of the Marlins players that tested positive have been cleared to return baseball activities. So um, we're seeing good kind of comebacks there. Um They haven't put out a bunch of information about them. Um, So I'm not sure if they have anybody that's like struggling more than others. But as of the 17th, all 18 that previously tested positive were cleared to resume. So MLB, a rare, uh, pretty good news week. Nice. Well, the NBA, obviously, there's fewer teams there now. Now that they've started the playoffs, sent home the teams that didn't make it into the playoffs. Um, at, the, and at the conclusion of the first round of pay- playoffs, which began this week, then guests are going to start coming to, to the bubble. So um, they, they just keep kind of specifying who can come, who can't come. Generally, no more than four. And 
um, players with three or four children on campus may also host up to two adults. So um, I was kind of wondering, how is that going to work? Is it just Mm -hmm. one person, you know, and they do have limited number of tickets for the games and stuff like that. Uh, But it looks like, some players could have up to like six people, you know, if they have four children, three or four children on campus, two adults, they could have quite a few, quite a big tribe here. Well, I mean, then you're thinking, we talked last week about like, okay, how are these players going to decide who ends up being allowed (laughs) in there? And you think about the amount of kids some of these players have, they're going to be holding like their own lottery for their tickets. Like (laughs) that's hilarious. Some of these guys just have so many people to choose from. It's like, all right, we're going to see, we're going to see who a family prime (laughs) is here. Yep. And I'm excited too to see like everybody's kids because you know oh, like love it. they're so cute and like they're like a bunch of the guys have sons who play basketball and stuff and like how cool would that be to be in the bubble like oh, yeah. with your dad? It's I- just like an experience that no one's ever had and no one probably will have after like this passes, you know, whether this be for another year or so, don't even want to talk about it, but oh, no matter gosh. how long it is, like after this, it's pretty, you know, a far reach to think that like this is happening again with any kind of frequency. So yeah. it's, it's an experience. And I mean, like, like you said, like the kids are so cute. They have such a good time. Like in the WNBA, the links coach Cheryl Reeve has like a real young son and he went through all the protocol to get in the bubble just this past week. And he's just so cute and he's so excited to be there. And I think it'll be the same for the NBA, just like all the interactions between the family. And it gives you, a little bit of what you miss was like not having fans there or not like catching yeah. someone doing something goofy in the crowd. Like yes. now you at least have a little bit more of an opportunity for those fun off the court interactions. Yes. I'm excited for that. And the earliest clearance date for guests to enter the bubble after they do a week long home self-isolation and then quarantine, the soonest that they could be at the bubble would be August 31st. So it's coming up couple weeks um and we'll start to see friends and family yes maybe we'll hear by next week about who all is going to be there if there's going to be anyone interesting maybe we'll have that to talk about next week yes i love that so how is the nfl doing getting ready the nfl they're definitely getting ready and it's nice because um they're being pretty transparent about the kind of um, plans that they have on the back burner. So, you know, we talk about how, well, the MLB last week, I said, maybe they would do a playoff bubble. They don't know. The NFL is basically admitting we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so here's all of the things that we're doing just in case. And so there was a conference call this past week um, in which the NFL executive vice president of football operations Really wish there was, like, a better shortened version of that, but we're just going with it. Troy Vincent, um, he said they're actively discussing all sorts of different plans that they might have to have go into place. Um, They're talking about the fact that, you know, let's say games are canceled. Um, Some people might play a game or two more than others, but still end up finishing the season. Um, Say that all of a sudden – 
there's major outbreaks and they're looking at, oh, things are getting worse across the country. There's been speculation that the fall might bring a lot more cases. So what if we're getting into more dire circumstances at the end of the season? And so they've been talking about, you know, what happens if we have to change the venue? What happens if we have to postpone or cancel games? And then they are talking about, okay, say things get really bad. What if we're looking at something like a playoff bubble for the NFL? So that's something that before the season even starts, they've been addressing, which I think gives them a leg up because if you have a plan and you never have to use it, great. If you are put in a position where you need alternatives and you're not prepared for it, you're totally just way behind where you need to be because financially, logistically, all of that, it just gets more difficult the closer you get. So definitely good planning on their part to know that there's things they don't know. I think that's the most important thing to remember. Yes. Um, They're starting to put into words some of their other just general protocols. Um, They just released that cheerleaders and mascots are not allowed on the field. So whether that means that they'll be out in the stands, on camera, you know, whatever the teams decide they're going to do, um, I assume it'll also depend on what they end up doing with fans, which we talked about a little bit last week, but still no major um, headway as far as their plans for that. Um, and then speaking of no fans, talked to um, – saw an article talking about kickers – um, Robbie Gold from the Niners was pointing out how specifically for kickers without fans, it's so different just because yeah. that's like 50% of their job is dealing with the external factors yeah. as well as the stuff they can control. You know, they have such a hyper specific job. So like their whole job is basically like a skills competition. And so yeah. much of that comes from the outside. So, um, there's starting to be just some discussion and some speculation as far as that goes, where you can see. Of course, it'll impact the game as a whole, but especially that aspect of the kicking, it'll be very, very, very different. Yeah, that's interesting. And you and I are going to talk a little bit later about um, who is actually winning in the in the no fan zone. So we can talk, we can touch on that. But you and I actually talked earlier this week about the Carolina Panthers and how they had a video about how they're kind of dealing with coming back. And a, a few things that kind of stuck out were, so instead of having all of their lockers being grouped by position, uh, they're spreading them out. So basically they hope that you know if they do have one case it doesn't take out all of their running backs because they all have their lockers together so they're kind of spreading all the positions out in hopes that you know if if it does take out two or three people it's not like your first second and third running backs you know absolutely it's it's like we said like it's such a weird kind of nuance that you wouldn't think about normally but it obviously makes perfect sense and hey whatever the reds were doing follow that right yes definitely um and then they also have these little trackers that that we saw them put on in the video (laughs) that they blink when they're too close to each other so the the lady she was giving the player the tracker and she's like it isn't a tracking device we're not tracking where you are we're tracking like how close you are to another person she's like you can see it's blinking right now because I'm wearing one and you and I are closer than six feet to each other and I thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not second nature to us quite yet to stay six feet from each other like my husband said that he saw a friend that he knew at this ice cream store and he like 
dapped him up and he's like oh i probably shouldn't have done that like, <laughs> gave him a little handshake hug thing and he's like it probably shouldn't have done that you know my tracker should have beeped at me right <laughs> i thought that was really cool and then they had literally what they're called is germ zapping robots that's what the boxes that they came in said was germ zapping robots which is so amazing much. i love that but there's so much technology right now that's really you know helping these teams and that's that's why i wanted to start this podcast like what are these unique things right. that teams and players and leagues are doing that we can kind of give them the thumbs up because they're they're really figuring out how to do it and how to innovate and to that point i feel like innovation <clears throat> innovation is big in the nba i think i think mm -hmm. the nba is always looking for new and innovative ways to um be more popular i yeah. think that on the increase other the end relevance right, the reach always right i think on the other end baseball is always trying to just be what it's always been mm -hmm. you know what i mean stay classic the classic yeah yeah classic and it's there's nothing wrong with that unless you really need to innovate to survive mm -hmm. and i think that we're kind of seeing that in that it's like well it's kind of just business business as usual, right? No, it's not. Like you you have to stay so far away from the fire that you're cold. <laughs> like yeah, you, you no, can't absolutely. you can't stay a little close to the fire and keep warm because that's mm -hmm. where that's where the germs are, as we tell our three year olds. Well, it's funny because the it's this has been like a concept in a discussion for several years that yeah. you know oh young people aren't watching the MLB why and I think that it just really put everything under the microscope of let's see like the consequences of the culture issue like you said and just you know the leadership differences and stuff like that where the NBA is this global brand they're always innovating they're doing you know so much and so here they are having a very successful season and doing you know as much as they possibly could be given the circumstances and then yeah. you have on the other end of the spectrum the MLB who tried to change as little as possible and are suffering the consequences for it and it's just right. so funny because it's been you can go back and you can read all the articles talking about the smaller consequences of it for several years and then you just see it blown up on such a huge level and say all right, here's all the things that we've been talking about forever. And this is, this is what happens as a yeah. result. And I mean, I want to be honest. I never want to replace the strike zone like with a robot. I don't want right. like umpires replaced with robots. And I'm not one for the like automatic strike zone. I kind of like the human aspect of that. So I'm not like this, like let's change the entire game until they're yeah. playing like some totally different game. I just think that there's room for innovation outside of like what we've always done because we've always done it. Uh, yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. So hockey is two weeks into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they are still the they are still saying that plans are still up in the air about how to bring their um, their guests 
So, um, if they're up in the air at this point, are they happening? Like, I know. I'm <laughs> kind of like, point? all right, guys, let's get. This yeah, thing. you last two teams. You're gonna get to have one guest, and they'll be there for the very last game. Right, it's gonna right. be amazing. <laughs> right. So, um, they said that spouses and or partners and children will need to self isolate, just like NBA, stay at home as much as possible, avoid unnecessary interactions with non family members for seven days, same mm-hmm. as. MBA before departure and then they have to have three negative tests over the seven day period 48 hours apart so very specific um and then families would have to quarantine in their whole hotel room not the hotel room with the player a separate hotel mm-hmm. room um upon upon arrival for four days until they have four negative tests um and then once that's over they can be in the hotel room with a player uh, and then while they're in the bubble the family members would be subject to the daily uh testing that the players are as well so i'm not sure what is still up in the air yeah um like when they can come maybe yeah, getting people in there right yeah right so well um, especially if they're in the middle of the playoffs like if they don't have people already in the process what's the point like that's two weeks right right that's a lot of time i don't know that's i mean hey everything's like constantly changing but if you don't like have the logistics and you don't if you don't want to do it then like just don't do it don't like keep pushing it off and be like oh but we're going to but then you don't Right. So, and the WNBA has had family there from, from the get go. So Mm -hmm. how is it going in the WNBA bubble? Really? Well, I mean, it's, it seemed really, like I said, they've, they've got procedures to allow people to enter. Um, and so like Cheryl Reeves son just got in there last week. Um, he's having the time of his life. A lot of the WNBA is so good because they're good with like their social media and stuff, because just since they're less, um, universal, I think is maybe the word I'd use. They try really hard to promote and just make sure that they put out good content. And so it's so cute because you have players like that hang out with each other's kids and, you know, like one will watch the other's kids so they can go out and do something. And like, mm-hmm. even people that aren't on the same team, there's so many people, I mean, especially with a team uh, with a league whose average age is in the neighborhood of like 27 years old. Like these are people who have played around each other for several years at least. And so it's been great. And you see, you know, cute pictures, cute videos. There was one, I don't remember <laughs> who it was, but someone's young, like three-year-old daughter had just come into the bubble not too long ago. And one of her teammates was in an ice bath and like trying to convince her to come in the ice bath with her. <laughs> and the kid almost did it. And so she was like, no, you don't actually have to. It's okay. It's okay. Aww. But she was like, if you really like me and want to hang out, you'd come in here. And the little girl was like, okay. And she was like, wait, no, I was kidding. I was kidding. So they would have the time of their lives down there. But yeah, I mean, as far as the WNBA goes, really no crazy anything. The only big thing is that Liz Cambridge, um, who is an all-star, she was medically exempt from this year. She got approval from the doctor, so she did not play in the WNBA, but that cleared her up to return to Australia for the first time since 2018. So she just signed a contract, so she'll be playing. Um, This is about the time of the season where a lot of people start releasing where they're going for their off season. So like Bridget Carlton, just um, her team that she's going to over in France after the WNBA season started posting. I know she's super, super excited. She's got a great team over there. So 
um, that's where you'll start seeing that people are going to be going overseas. And if you're not familiar with the WNBA, um, pretty much everyone plays overseas. Uh, women's basketball is huge overseas, like massive in some countries. And so that's where a lot of them make most of their money. Um, and so most big players will be really saying, you know, okay, this is where I'm going. This is where I'll be playing. This is the team, whatever. So awesome. yeah, good stuff there. So I talked about this earlier, but I just, and I, I even posted this on my other podcast, the title nines, um, Twitter, just asking people what they think, who they think is really benefiting. Mm -hmm. And it came from an article that I read uh, about the NHL kind of hinting that the teams that are benefiting are the younger teams that would have really been hurt with mm -hmm. uh, as an away team in some of these Stanley Cup playoff games. So, you know, they, they have uh, – uh, they're up two to one. Um, the other team ties it up right before um, the end of regulation. And uh, uh, a younger team would really kind of be down and, you know, the, they would hear the crowd, you know, yeah. super pumped that their team had tied it up and they were going into overtime and maybe not play as well in those overtime minutes. So, you know, maybe they're benefiting. We've heard a lot about whether or not LeBron is playing well in the bubble without fans. Does he feed off fans? You know, I've heard um, Giannis's name mentioned. Does he feed off of fans? You know, is he her? Is, are, are they the big players that are really, <laughs> like, um, struggling in the bubble without their fans there to cheer them on. Like, what do you think? Who do you think is hurt? Who do you think is benefiting? Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, we talked about this on week two or three when we talked to Bridget because we mentioned, you know, hey, you are used to playing in front of so many fans and some people aren't. And so um, obviously that's a lesson like, professional leagues professional leagues generally have a bigger draw overall but there's some people who are used to it more than others and so obviously they have that benefit but I think a lot of it comes down to like the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation it's I mean a concept in every aspect of life but especially in athletics there's people that really feed off of the crowd there's people that feed off of their home crowd there's people that feed off being the villain in games even but then there's yep. people who just play and the first person that came to mind when we're talking about um the people who just go out there and they're gonna play no matter what was kobe always yep. he was it didn't matter if he was the only one in the gym it didn't matter if he was away if he was home if he was i'm sure home playing with Gigi, like he was always on. And there's some of those players that you're seeing down there in the bubble. And you're like, oh, yeah, you do play differently when you have the fans to feed off of. Yeah. And I think that's extremely realistic. That's just yeah. how some people operate. I think Kawhi is one of those guys that's just – he's always yes. going to be even always on. Yep. Like he, he just, like, doesn't seem to have much of, like, a – I don't like a social presence really yeah. like not not a big personality or anything just kind of there to work from people who like know him and talk about him he's extremely different behind the scenes 
Um, but then when he's on the court, that's very much his demeanor. Like he's very no nonsense. He's very just getting it done. And it's almost like he wants to do well in spite of everything else going on. Like he, it's like a personal victory that he doesn't let it get to him is what it seems like to me. Like his whole thing is, you know, keeping it steady. Like you said, extremely even keeled because you know, even if you ride the highs and you do really well, then you're a lot more likely to hit the lows and then be impacted. So it's more like, okay, let's have a more centered approach. And then you always know what you're going to get. And that's, you know, kind of his reputation is, you know, what you're getting. Yeah, definitely. Somebody on the Title IX Twitter said that the refs are the ones that are benefiting from it. <laughs> I feel like I probably I, have to agree with that. I can't disagree with that in the slightest that is so funny that's so true though i, I mean they're not taking what, as much of a beating yeah what other games like do you get to escape that kind of like right. critique it's right it's very accurate yeah that's funny Anyway, I just thought it was it was something interesting that I wanted to pick your brain about. I think I think for me it's probably, you know, uh, I don't know that it's the younger players though because no. there's a maturity that I think probably benefits from yeah. something like this because like I said, I mean, the younger players I think get so much of the benefit of riding high and so yes. sure if you know if they were in a bad position like you said you know end of the game they tie it up then sure that could get them down a little bit but you still have like the intensity that comes from having a crowd and having yeah. people watch you it just doesn't feel the same when there's no people there whether they're cheering for you or whether they're cheering against you there's a lot of energy that comes from that crowd so i think you have to have the maturity to really feed yourself yes and, and the discipline mm-hmm. this actually makes me think about so I tore a deck out at my dad's house at my parents house yesterday and my mom and my son came out to watch I mean my son's four months old my mom brought him out to watch he wasn't really watching um, but they came out to watch and I was like ooh, like a, a crowd you know an audience <laughs> and I was really kicking butt well I was taking you know swings with that sledgehammer uh, <laughs> before and, destroying it yes i did destroy the sledgehammer <laughs> just I, if you want to know how jacked you are yeah you if you want to know um it it sounds like i'm snapping when i walk up the stairs now because my knees are like snap <laughs> crackle pop um made it about three hours and then both me and my dad passed out um actually my dad my dad admitted that I was working twice as hard as he was um but then when I was ready to come in he wanted to keep working and so I had to bribe him with a beer I said dad I really want a beer can you come inside (laughs) so he finally came inside and once he was in we were done but anyways definitely um I was riding the high from having fans in my little bubble so yes (laughs) oh gosh yeah it's it's definitely a bizarre thing and I mean we talked last week a little bit about how like WNBA has their um hometown DJs and stuff like that yes and so in that circumstance absolutely the home the home team benefits because like 
when the Lynx are the home team, they play that freaking wildcat screech right before people <laughs> shoot free throws. And yeah. so, you know, there's no balancing that out. But yeah, as far as like winners or losers being in environments without fans one way or the other, like I don't think there's an easy answer. It's just you can see the people who thrive and the people who don't thrive. And I think it, it gives a really good insight into just the way they operate and the way that they approach the game that we never would have really seen otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to end on that. This was a really fun episode. Thanks, Jamie. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that we got through it without me being interrupted by my washer and dryer. Oh, yes. But I, did, <laughs> I did hear the kitty cat a couple times. So that was that fun. will never stop. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we will catch you next week while we, where we will keep you up to date on everything going on bubble and elsewise how all of these pro sports are handling um, just life during this pandemic so we will catch you next time